Worship was awesome today. Huh? Yeah, it was incredible. You know, it's funny. I've had, yeah, it must be that, that new guitarist. That old guy. Get them the heck out of here. Um, I've got my handy-dandy Southland Mountain West Division coffee mug up here, just repping my job here real quick. I don't really know why I'm repping the job. I'm just, I just kind of accidentally did it. So now it's going to be in all the photos with the little logo. Yeah, make sure you get that right there. Hopefully I score some brownie points with my foreman. Probably not. We'll see what happens. But, like, it, it's, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> all week I've had, like, three days grace stuck in my head. <laughs> and for some reason, like, Fallout Boy and, like, Creed. And it, it's weird. I've just been seeing, like, you know, the, like, early 2000s alternative rock stuff, like, all over, like, Facebook. Well, there's a song I sing to make Jesse really mad. How many guys of you guys know Rockstar by Nickelback? Right? You know, it's like, we all just don't want to be big rock stars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'll sing that to her. I'm a little too, uh, too uh, what's it, self-conscious to sing it the way I actually sing it in the car. So you're just going to have to take that little, that's, that's a poor man's version. Like, I get into it. You know what I'm saying? Listen, he's from more than just Nickelback, right? He's from Theory of a Dead Man. That's a good, well, it's an all right band, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's much better. And plus, the Nickelback has that one song they came out with that was actually pretty cool. And then they got that other song that wasn't bad. And so anyways, so Rockstar is not any of those songs. Rockstar is a really bad song. So <laughs> I sing it to her all the time, and I finally let go of it. And, and when we're coming out of her parents' house, because we picked up our son, because, you know, holla, it's nice having some grandparents in town. They take the kid from you, and then I just sleep. It's wonderful. Well, so this lady's car was dead. And she needed some help jumping it, and I didn't get involved because I didn't want to. But it was across the it was the across the street neighbors problem at that point. And they finally turned the car on, and it's just like, I want an old tour bus full of I was like, oh my god, it's Rockstar. <laughs> so I'm just staring at my wife and she's coming out the door, and she has no idea what's waiting for her. Because she hates this song, but she can't hear it. And she comes around the corner and I just like, hey babe. And she's like, oh my God. And it just starts blaring on the chorus and I just start singing it. And then it was stuck in my head. <laughs> and then I come into work and I'm sorry, I come into church and I'm thinking about, you know, Sugar, We're Going Down Swinging by Fallout Boy for some reason. I, it's just, it, I was singing it to Aaron the other day. Like all these songs have been stuck in my head. And also on the car ride, that song by Three Days Grace, you know, I Hate Everything About You. For some reason, that's what was in my head on the way to church as well. Guy, I really needed Jesus this morning. <laughs> but what's funny, man, is like worship was so cool. Like it's so easy for me to get distracted. And so I'm coming in with all that stuff. And we come in, and man, from the first song, right, from that, from that cheesy gospel song we all like to sing, which, by the way, it's not cheesy anymore. That is a banger. That is, like, forever in our DNA. I don't care. what I will always love that song, I will, and I will never hear a version as good as ours. I don't care what anyone says. Man, I bleed the vision of this church. You know what I'm saying? It's incredible. From the moment that song began until the very end when Eric had the, you know, he drew the short straw and had to end it, you know, which no one likes to do that because it's like, well, now they're all going to hate me. They're going to look at him and go, you know, the Bible says don't quench the spirit, brother. Eric's the spirit quencher in this church, right? He's not, but he unfortunately gets to have that title thrown on him. I'm sorry, dude. From the moment it began to the moment it ended, I was just blown away. I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't think of anything going on in work, anything going on in my personal life. I couldn't even think of my son. I couldn't think of anything going on. And those songs have been replaced, apparently, because now it's all that's stuck in my head, is that incredible rendition of Reckless Love that we were playing there at the end, which, by the way, that was spontaneous, and it was incredible. Guys, can we please give a hand up for our worship team? Like, my God. 
It was just incredible. From the moment it began to the moment it ended, I genuinely felt like God met me in a personal way. There's this pastor over at Encounter Church, and the uh, first time I ever talked with him, Pastor Chris Ritchie. You know, we're like, oh, hi. And it's not like, a, hey, man, how's your day? He goes, you know, uh, you strike me as a man that has a hard time connecting with the Father when he prays. And I'm like, oh, well, um, thanks. Um, I'm from Spokane, Washington, originally moved across the border over to Idaho, you know, Lewiston. Uh, you know, like, none of that. Just like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apparently, we're getting personal here. And I said, well, you know, yeah, man, yeah, sure. And what's incredible is that was just not there. And it's so amazing to me, and I just kept thinking during worship, and I wanted to come up and say it, but I really felt like I didn't need to say it during because we were doing it. Like, it's just like Captain Obvious. I'm going to come up here and go, hey, guys, like, you know, God's really moving right now. Like, well, duh, that's why it went so awesome, right? What was incredible to me was that when God is so obviously doing something, we really just got to stop and just lean into it. You know what I mean? Because... I woke up really good this morning. Man, I woke up great this morning. I got to quote Kesha, wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt great this morning. But Saturday morning, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, you know, Tuesday, like back when I was born, all the way back to when I was born morning, probably before I was born morning. Heck, when, when my mom was pregnant with me, she got in a car wreck. Like, that's how bad it, you know, I'm just, I'm just joking. That hasn't affected me at all. <laughs> Probably explains a lot. She swears I was fine, but I have, I beg to differ. <laughs> that was all, that was all just awful. Just awful. I feel like every week, man, it's just been mounting and mounting. And I'm like, Lord, have I not given enough? Do I not love you enough? And man, this morning, it just wasn't there. And I rolled into church, but you know, it was there in the back of my head. And I rolled into church today, and we just started praying during pre-service prayer which we do from like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., almost at 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah, we go hard, you know what I'm saying, 15 hours. Um, but, man, I just came in here and just started trying to really focus, just focus on God. And then when we started worshiping, man, it was just, it was just all about him. And that's what's awesome is like a lot of times we're focusing too many on our issues. We're focusing too much on our issues. And, and, and when we begin to just... Finally look to God, right? And this is that charismatic message we hear in every single church. I'm sure Stephen Furtick and Judah Smith and Carlin's, I'm sure all T.D. Jakes, I'm sure they've all preached it a million times. But just because we've heard something so many times doesn't make it less true. Oftentimes, that's our problem, right? We hear it so many times, it just gets boring to us. And, well, hold up, hold up. It's still important. It's still true. Hearing that the sky is blue doesn't take away the fact that the sky is blue, <laughs> Right? So hearing that, man, we should really begin to put our focus on our Father rather than our problems. Man, maybe, if, maybe we should really start doing that. Because I can tell you what, it's not just the coffee today, guys, that's going on. Which, by the way, Yaw Farms Coffee out here in Vegas, man, they, they have a thing called Giddy Up. It tastes like blueberries. I don't know how. It blows my mind. I worked at Starbucks for four years. I still can't figure it out. I'm just joking. I know exactly how it works. I worked at Starbucks for four years. <laughs> I got all the secrets. But that's what's incredible to me. All right, it's beyond everything, beyond the stresses, beyond the lack of sleep, beyond whatever you're going through. Man, God will meet you in such a personal way. Amen? Amen. And that, that, that really brings me down here to our message. Uh, we're going to go to Romans 8, 28. And this is another one of those buzzword 
verses, and I really want to talk about it because I wish it wasn't such a buzz, a buzz, a buzzword. I'm not really too sure what that is, but we're just going to roll with it. A buzzword verse. But uh, before I begin, I just really want to thank Pastor Wes and you and your wife for um, just being so involved in this church, being so involved in mine and my wife's life with our kid. Um, I really appreciate you, man, and I, I really wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. I don't mean on this stage. I mean walking with the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, you're the one who invited me to church. You really kept pushing me. Even though, like, I helped push you, you also helped push me quite a bit. And I just really appreciate you, man, and I love you. So thank you for letting me uh, preach today. Let's go ahead and read uh, Romans 8:28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Amen? So, so all things will work together for your good if you both love God and you're called according to his purpose. What does that mean? It means you're saved, right? How, how do we love God? We obey him, right? He, he, he wants every part of us, and I think that's the thing we kind of shy away. Is like, we, I think I can keep this and I can keep that. No, no, no. Obey him. You got to let go of some things. But when you let go of some things, he makes room for even greater things. Right? But not only that, if you're just saved, that means he has called you to his purpose. So what's the promise here? No matter what you go through, God's going to make it work out for good. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, God, for this time to preach your word, God, and to just speak, God. I thank you, Lord, that as I'm preaching, God, that you're going to minister to all of our hearts, Lord, mine included. I pray, God, that we would just, um, just take the blindfolds off, God. Just remove the calluses, Lord, from our heart, God. Lord, as your word says, Lord, that you would take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, God, and that you would be our God, Lord, and that we would be your people, Father. And we just pray, God, that you would just speak in here and we could receive, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Or a mizzle, as I used to say back in high school. Oh, man, I thought I was cool. I was not very cool. Well, actually, Jesse thinks I was cool. She sees pictures of me from back in high school. She goes, babe, you were so hot. And I'm like... Well, you and no one else, apparently, but dang, girl, okay. I'm like, you look at all those pictures, all you want. <laughs> That's fine by me, man. I, I think so. I think she sounds a little bit more like Lois from Family Guy when I do that. Like, Peter. <laughs> that wasn't a very good one. Well, what are you going to do? I do a better Marge, but I'm, I'm not going to do Marge right now. Chris does the best Marge. Don't. Don't. I gave, you a, I gave you a Scooby snack right now. You just take it, okay? All right, love you, bro. Thank you. And don't do Scooby either. Thank you. Love you. So when, when Pastor West texted me, I was being a model employee, and I was looking at my phone while walking on the job site, which, by the way, if anyone caught me, I would have been thrown off the job site for probably a year. Um, what are you going to do? Hey, listen, I know people in high places, all right? How do you think I got this job? I'd just go over to them and go, hey, man, give me a new job. And he'd be like, oh, all right, man, whatever. I mean, I haven't really tested that theory, so I don't know how strong it is. But we'll see what happens. But I was walking around, and I was thinking of uh, this concept. I, the only words I could really put to it was, was gospel seeds, I guess. And it was just this thing of like, man, God grows the gospel in us. You know, it's, it's a path. I know people say, no, it's instantaneous. I, I, it, it, it's not. Like, maybe it's an instant moment, but it's been a path all the way to that moment. Amen? God has been working on us from that moment, even people who were like, oh, I was saved from birth. No, 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 but, but, but there was a moment, maybe when you were five or six or whatever age you were, where you finally had that revelation, right? And you looked back at the path you had been walking, and you looked back at the evidence all around you, and you realized, this is what I want. 
This is what's important to me. Amen? And all along the way, God has been planting the seeds of his gospel in your heart, and he's been watering it, and he's been tending it. Or, as the Bible says, one man sows, another man reaps, but it's God who provides the increase. Amen? It's a process, and God does it, and he begins to grow. And this incredible concept that we see in Psalm 1 is that the righteous are like a tree beside the river, right? And that river is supposed to represent the rivers of living water that come from God's throne, right? It's his very spirit, the thing that God says would spring forth from our bellies because he puts it in us, right? That we're a tree and our roots grow next to the, to the river. And what's important about that is when a tree grows next to a river, its roots go down and up into the bottom of the river and it drinks right from the source. And if it's a fruit tree, which is what the Bible would describe us as, then it bears fruit. And if it gets enough sunlight, and if it gets enough water, if it gets enough life-sustaining nutrients, it grows good fruit. Amen. And so that's the whole thing is that this gospel grows in us, and it produces fruit, and others partake of the gospel in our life. Amen. But there's that process we have to talk about really quick. See, for me, I had three things going on, and I'm just really just going to bear my heart right now. And if you guys laugh at me, I will just tell you all I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to a different church, okay? Sound good? Awesome. Wonderful. So I wanted, like, three things in this life, man. I wanted friends. I I didn't want to have a million friends. I just wanted a tight-knit group of friends. I wanted to have them my whole entire life. I didn't need a million. I just needed a small little group. And no matter where we went, we could always just be cool. I just really wanted that support base. Number two. When I was like six, I was like, you know what I'm going to do with my life? I'm going to join the military. I'm just going to join the military. I come from a, mil- a military family. That's what I want. And then I was watching TV with my dad, and I saw a Marine Corps commercial. And I said, whoa, those guys look cool. And my dad said, yeah, they're the best. Now, he's, he's from the Army. But he looked at me, and he said, those guys are the best. And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to be the best. I- I'm going to do everything I can. And I spent the rest of my life just pouring over over the internet. I would get all the books I could from school. I'd talk to every single Marine I'd ever meet on the street. They'd talk to me. Oh, yeah, I was a Marine. But like, I'd stop. I'd have to get to my friends. I'd have to go to school. I'd stop, and I'd talk with them for like 30, 40 minutes. And they'd be like, who the heck is this kid? And I'd ask him every single question I could. I went, and I worked out with the Marines one time. And that was, yeah. And, and then I, and then I, <laughs> I never went again. <laughs> and I was like, apparently, i got to start going to the gym because that sucks. <laughs> And that was back when I was in wrestling in high school. And, man, I was working out like crazy. I, I don't know if that's as evident nowadays. I, I, I really don't know. I think, I think maybe. I'm not, I'm not really too sure. I'm trying not to. I don't, I don't really know how to judge myself on that point, you know, on that caliber. Like, no one is as buff as Aaron. Like, my God, he'll just wear any kind of a shirt. And I'm like, dear Lord. Marzette. Good for you, Marzette. Good for you. <laughs> that is a handsome man right there. Anyways, moving forward. <laughs> And that just wrecked me, right? But I kept pushing, and, and people would be like, yeah, man, I don't really know if you're going to make it. I'm like, dude, I'm 15. What do you expect from me? I kept pushing on it, right? And then th- th- thing number three, that's what every single guy wants. I just, I just want to be in love. I just wanted to find a girl of my dreams, hopeless romantic, right? So how many of y'all want to guess how good all three of those things went? So age 17, I lost all my friends there was this girl that I was really good friends with, and I developed feelings for, and I talked to her. I did something stupid because I was in high school. I was really good friends with her boyfriend, and then they broke up. So I talked to him about it. I said, hey, man, this is how I feel. I'm not going to do anything. And he said, no, dude, you should do something. I said, okay, cool. Then he's like, I hate Thomas, man, going behind my back trying to talk to her. I'm like, you told me to. Anyways, 
So then that did also didn't go out too well. And then she said, hey, man, you're weird. We ain't friends no more. And at the same time, I decided that the things I wanted in life didn't line up with living a life in the military. And so it came to this point. I was a junior in high school. I had the Eagle Globe and Anchor on one wall. I, I had that flag. I had my American flag on the other wall. And in my closet, nothing but Marine Corps shirts. That's all I'd wear to school. And I also had my hair buzzed. People thought I was going to shoot up the school. Far from it. Far from it. I love this country. I just wanted to serve it. But unfortunately, I was this weird, crazy white kid who also was super Republican in high school. And uh, people were like, you right-wing nut job. You're going to kill us all. You know, and so that, that, that really wasn't going too well for me. As you guys can see, I kind of set myself up for failure many, many, many opportunities. As many opportunities as I possibly could, I set myself up for failure. And I finally, I just sat there, and, and I, I had a moment that every single parent knows how knows to look out for as the warning signs that their child is about to go off the freaking deep end and just go nuts. And I took all my dreams, hopes, and aspirations, and I found a box, and I put them all in there, and I boxed it up, and I put it out in the garage, and I laid on my bed, and I stared at my ceiling. And my mom comes in, and she's like... No, no, it's not institutionalized by him. <laughs> Mom, just give me a Pepsi. No, it's not that. She comes in and she goes, hey, Thomas, is everything okay? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah. You know, actually, it's a little bit like institutionalized now that I'm saying it. <laughs> it's a little bit like that song. Mom, everything's fine. Just go get me a Pepsi. <laughs> well, man, I didn't realize how messed up I was. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, Mom, I'm fine. Okay, because... You're worrying me. And I said, I just don't want these things anymore. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow my hair out. I'm going to start wearing skinny jeans. I'm going to start wearing band shirts. All the music I listen to, I just started blaring it even louder. I watched like as many gory films as I possibly could. And I was like, you know what? I don't care about anything anymore. And I just had to jump right into there. And I was like, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to be with as many girls as possible. And that also didn't happen. But the other parts of me being a degenerate man, the degenerate part, man, I started, I went, I, I did a little bit of drugs, and then I just jumped right into them. My, uh, they gave me a bunch of, like, anti-anxieties and anti, just whatever, like, depression pills, but they would box them to me, like, massive amounts. So, you know, here's three months' worth of your pills. And I'd be like, wonderful, just wonderful. And then I just put them up on my, on my bookshelf. And they'd, they'd say, hey, don't take with this one. I said, well, that sounds like a challenge to me. And I'd start taking them. I'd start going to school. I found the different effects that would go on. I'd be like, man, this one, this affects my favorite. So I'd, I'd get the right mixture. It was almost like I was a barista before I ever was a barista. I worked at Starbucks for four years after all. Anyways, hey, man, I really just jumped, just jumped headfirst into all that. And I decided, you know what? This is it. It's been fun. Senior year, I think I'm checking out. I'm 17. I haven't really lived a very fulfilled life, but you know what? Is there really anything I'm actually going to do? Like, so far from what I've seen, I'm not going to have good friends. I'm not going to find the right girl, and I'm never going to find where I belong. Because my only goal at that point was maybe I'll go become a teacher. And I'm like, well, I mean, because my mom's a teacher, like, what else am I going to do, right? And I was like, you know what? I've got nothing. So we'll see what happens, right? Well, I remember this tape very vividly. Like, you know, Pastor Wes, he was like, hey, man, my dad makes me go to church, come to church with me. And I said, all right, yeah, sure, why not? I'd grown up Mormon, and I didn't like that, so I stopped. When I was 15, my mom's like, if you don't go to church, I'm going to ground you. And I was like, then ground me. And then she didn't ground me. And I was like, ah, that's right. That was a gamble. 
and I won. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so mom's like, no, 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 you, you can't go to that Christian church. And then finally one day she said, fine. It was November 9th, 2011. I go. And the youth pastor at that time, right, was at the church LV. The youth pastor at that time, Pastor Javen Chavez, shout out to City Lights Church on down the street, right? They're doing great things. He preaches a message on when you're broken, you need to go to the Father because he'll fix everything, right? And he had this illustration of him and his brother were out on quads, and they fell off, and his brother broke his arm. And he looked at him, and he said, go get Dad. And so he ran, and he went and got Dad, and Dad came, and he fixed it. And so he said, that's what you guys need. You need the Father. And I'm just like snot, like tears. I'm just like, oh, I need the Father. You're right. And, and I gave my life to Jesus, and it's just been incredible. And I've, I've, uh, many more things have happened after that that have been awful. But you know what? At least I had God every single step of the way, and I've continued to grow. And you see, that's kind of where the concept of the title for this message is, is, is our gospel, right? Like, like and, and I'm going to get more into that, but... That right there was the foundation for what I would refer to as my gospel. What Paul would refer to as his gospel, he's, he's got a bit of a different story, right? Paul's story is he's a very devout Jew, and he loves Yahweh. And he thinks he's serving Yahweh properly as a Pharisee. And then all of a sudden all these Christians start to rise up, and they're saying that this man, Jesus, was the son of Yahweh? How dare he? He, he doesn't know Yahweh. Like, none of us know Yahweh. Only Abraham. Are you saying you're better than Abraham? Right? That, that whole argument. And all of a sudden, uh, one day when they're out feeding all of the widows, right, and they have all the deacons rise up and do it, there's one deacon in particular, Stephen. And he's debating, and he's telling them, no, 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 you guys, the scriptures preach Jesus Christ from the foundation this whole time, and none of us have seen it. And when they keep arguing him, and, the, and it says that they like would, oh, they pull on their beard and they gnash their teeth. It's just like, my God, calm down, dude. It's not that big a deal, right? But they're freaking out. They're having a big old fit. And he says, you know what? You guys are deaf to reason, right? And they're like, oh, oh, oh you did. We killing you right now. Oh, no. And so they go, and they take him outside, and they're going to kill him, right? And Stephen looks up and he says, oh, I see Jesus. And he's standing at the right hand of the Father. Then they go, okay, that's enough out of this guy. This guy's done. And they roll up and they find Paul, otherwise known as Saul back in that time, a Pharisee. And they say, hey, he will approve of the things going on. So in the Bible it says that they go and they lay their coats down at his feet. And that was a symbol of he was approving, right? And he was guarding their possessions so that they could go and do the Lord's work. And they go and they stone him. And as he's dying, he says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And then it says, and then he goes to sleep. And Paul gets furious. Right? I'm going to keep switching around the name. I'm sorry. It's Saul. It's Paul. But, you know, it's just, it's just one letter, you know, whatever. Anyways, and, and he goes to his leadership and he says, give me letters. Why? Well, because I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go nuts. I'm just going to go sicko mode on these Christians real quick, and I'm going to take them all down to prison, and I'm going to have them beaten and tortured and killed and every single thing that I can. And he goes hard, man, and he's like, I'm serving Yahweh. I'm doing it right. And finally, he goes to Damascus where there's a quite a few Christians, and he says, I'm going to tear that city apart. And on the road, he's with a bunch of young men. A bright light appears, and it blinds them all. And Saul is knocked off of his donkey. And don't think too much about that phrase. It's not King James. We're going to move forward, okay? He's knocked off of his donkey, all right? 
and onto his donkey. <laughs> uh, I couldn't resist. <laughs> what are you going to do? Anyways, I, I still need help. <clears throat> anyways, I hate that word anyways. Anyways, a loud voice happens. It happens. It just happens. A loud voice speaks. There we go. And it says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul knows who it is, right? Because this whole time when he's been persecuting God, he's been encountering God. He's been encountering the people of God. And these seeds have been laid, right, in, in his heart, which God is tending to and is making it into good soil. And he, he recognizes, no, this is God, but yet I'm still an enemy. And he says, who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I am Jesus Christ, whom you are persecuting. He says, it is hard to kick against the goads. A goad is a long stick that's really sharp that they would use to poke oxen because they're super stubborn. Especially what he's saying is, you've been stubborn, and you're kicking against the goads, and I'm pushing back right now. And he says, go to the house of Judas on the street called Straight, and a man will meet you there, and he will pray for you. And then he was blinded. And then he goes and he meets Ananias and he goes, hey man, go, go pray for that guy who's murdering all the Christians. And he goes, oh, hold up, Lord. That's a bit of a loaded statement right there. You want me to do what? And he says, Ananias, I'm going to be with you. And furthermore, I'm going I'm to have you do this because I need to show Paul the things that he will suffer for, for my gospel. So he says, okay. And he goes and he prays for him. And the scales fall off his eyes and he gives his life to Christ. And he's healed, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's baptized. And he just goes immediately out there. And he's talking to all these Jews, which were on his side before. And he goes, you guys are just a bunch of idiots. And they're like, whoa, hold on, man. You've been a Christian for three days. Why don't you, you know, learn, you know, learn to walk before you run, dude? You know what I'm saying? And he doesn't care. And he goes hard, and he goes at it. Why? Well, it's because he's been completely won over. Why? Because he finally came to that moment that I was talking about earlier, where the gospel finally took full effect and full root. And Paul finally began to walk in this thing that he would call his gospel. In the Bible, he says, my gospel. We're going to go to three sections of scripture in particular. It's going to be Romans 2, 16, where he says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Then we go to Romans 16, 20. I don't have enough room on this. I should have thought about that. Anyways, Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to to my gospel. And then finally, 2 Timothy 2.8, where he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And, and here's the thing. Like, we, we sit there and we go, okay, cool. So Paul, as he's known later on, because he renames himself because he says, I'm not, right, he, he, he rebrands himself. You know what I'm saying? Anyone ever need to do that before? Like, I'm, I'm going to rebrand myself. I was watching Parks and Rec, and the girl rebrands herself to Tennifer because it's, apparently it's, it's a cool name or something like that. I don't really know what I'd rebrand myself. I'll let you guys know next week, okay? I'll think about it. You guys should also rebrand yourselves. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I would, I would if I was you. I'm messing around. Your names are all perfect. Anyways, Paul recognizes something. He says, this whole process I've had to walk through, has led me to this point where I finally have received the truth that is Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, right? His, his life that he lived for me, his death that he died for me, and his resurrection that he rose for me. And it wasn't just Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. It was, it was the process that God took him on. 
and the things that he saw in the scriptures and the proofs and the moments where God manifested personally in his life that became his gospel. It wasn't relegated to just the story of Christ. Why? Because that's not what God wants. God wants us to recognize that this gospel is very personal. It's very personal. The story of the gospel is told by each and every one of us. And if we walk around just telling the story of Paul, a lot of people would not care about that. But when we go out there with the gospel message and we tell our story of, how that, of what that means to us, of how God met us in that, come on. Come on. How powerful is that? You don't just sit here and hear something on the stage and say, I'm just going to verbatim just start yelling that at people. Why? Because, man, that's not personal to you. You didn't, you didn't bleed for that. You didn't, you didn't sweat for that. You didn't go through that. But you have bled for something. You have sweated over something. You, you have lost nights of sleep over something. And God came in and restored you, right? God came in and fixed you. God came in and healed you through it. And maybe some of you are still walking through that. But the things he's done before in the past, does that not give us confidence that right now, here and now, he's going to get us through that? That that future that we hope for, as the book of Hebrews would talk about, right? What is faith, right? It is the, it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. When we truly have faith, right, that true mark of salvation, as we are saved by his grace through faith in him, that we truly begin to understand, no, 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 God, 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 this, this gospel message is so personal to me. God, you've, you've actually done this, which means that the, the past that you brought me through, when you brought me into your kingdom, doesn't matter about the future that's in front of me, the scary things that are in front of me, Lord, because back then, I didn't even know you, and you still brought me through it. How much more now that I'm your child, Amen. But that's the thing, man. We've really just got to own this gospel. So my question to you is, what is your gospel? What is your gospel personally? All right, I say our gospel because collectively I want us to look at this differently. It's not just the gospel message. When I go through my Christian phase and then I eventually step out of it, it was nice. You want to know why? It's because, man, we never owned this gospel. This, this gospel isn't just meant for the man on the stage or the church or just the Bible. No, no, no. It's meant to be written on the tablets of our heart, as the Bible would call it. We're meant to carry this and bear it into the old world, man. I was talking with Kevin today. We were going through a bit of our membership class, and I was talking about the Great Commission with him and just about how, man, we take this out into the world, and we're supposed to baptize the nations and make disciples of them. But how do I do it? Man, I own the message. I eat it. I chew it. It becomes a part of me. It feeds me. It builds me. It makes me strong, and then I give it to other people. That same thing that nurtured me, I then nurture them with. Amen? And then they have their own gospel process that they walk through. What is your gospel? It is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf and the events that took place for us to believe in him. That moment, finally, no, no, this is the moment where I finally first believe in God. Romans 8, 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. That glorified word right there, that's at the end of it all. That is the future that we're hoping for. So right there, you know what I just saw? Regardless of what's in front of us, the end's already assured. But we have to recognize what's being said there. 
And who is saying it? Man, this is Paul, man. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was eventually killed at the hands of uh, Emperor uh, Caesar Nero, right? Who was an awful man. And I'm not going to go through the stories because most of us have already heard this. But he did some terrible things to Christians. And man, he killed Paul. But Paul got to preach the gospel to him. Not caring, man. This guy's going to murder me. I'm still going to tell him the gospel because I don't want him to die without knowing Jesus. Right? And not once did he look at his afflictions and say, God has abandoned me. I'm sure he had weak moments, but he recognized, no, 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 you know what, God? Every single moment of pain in my life is appointed. Every single moment of pain in my life is there for a reason. And God, I no longer view it as something bad. I view it as something good. And I think that's the point I'd really like to arrive to right, right, right now, is us as a church, right? When I've talked to a few people personally, there's, there's some things in our past that we don't want to get healed from because we feel like we're right in our anger towards it. And here's what I'm going to say. Sometimes people do things to us for no reason whatsoever. Sometimes things happen to us and it's completely our fault. But at the end of the day, the Bible says that all these things will work to our good. So who are we to hold on to it and say this is something awful, this is something terrible? And I know people have gone through things. Guys, trust me, I went through some things as well. When I was a very young boy in, in elementary school, an older boy did something to me. And man, it messed me up, and I repressed that for years. And when I became a Christian, I remembered it, and that jacked me up. But then I began to thank God, because you know what? At least now I get to talk to people who've also been through that. You see how it's turned for good? I know there's many people in this church who have been through awful things. And as long as we hold on to it, that man, this was the most terrible thing in the world, and we don't recognize it as a testimony that we can turn around and use for good in God's name. We will never move past that point. And we will always be stuck in our hurt. And we will never move into what God has called us to do. All things are supposed to work together for our good. Everything in our lives has brought us to this point before God. There is no bad. It's all been good because it has blessed us with a desire to know him. It has made us desperate for God. And at the end of the day, aside from all the pain we've been through, the fact that it brought us to this place with God, it's, that's the greatest blessing in my life. I want to read a couple other verses to really just prove how biblical this message is. Like, my God, man, I, I tell you what, I, I did my homework. <laughs> Romans 8.18, this is a verse that I absolutely love. Um, I don't believe in the concept of like, oh, what's your birthday? That's your life verse. However, my birthday is August 18th. And so I just kind of went through the Bible one time, and I was like, I'm just going to look for an 8.18 verse. And, man, it was in a really rough part of my life. And I was like, Romans 8.18. I was like, oh, that's a good verse right there. It's also the name of a Devil Wears Prada album, which is not a demonic band. Well, it's not a demonic band. They're kind of getting off the Jesus train right now, and I'm like, you guys messing up. Y'all don't even sound as good anymore. You blew your voice out. What are you doing? Anyways, Romans 8.18. I really appreciate them for this album because it was an incredible album. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see that? I, I, I don't consider the troubles right now to be worthy to be compared with the things that God's going to do in the future. But you know what that requires of us? we got to play the long game. We, we, I, no, tomorrow's not promised to any man, but God also does not call us to walk in foolishness and be like, okay, uh, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to burn down the house because I don't even know if I'm going to have it tomorrow. No, no, no. Like, like obviously, we, we walk in generosity. God would call some of us to sell our homes, to sell all of our possessions, right? But at the end of the day, we're still looking forward to a hope that's off in the future. And so God says, man, man, 
you play the long game. You don't look at your chains. You don't look at your problems right now as your, as your future. You look at the hope that I've put in your heart. That's your future. And you hold on to hope until I deliver you from it. Amen? Us as Christians, man, we play the long game. And that is hard to hear. That's hard for me to hear. That's hard for me to preach. Because as I preach it, I feel like a hypocrite. Because, man, I've, I've been having a rough time. As I've been saying, man, these weeks it's just been worse and worse and worse. Man, today was incredible. And that was such a brief respite. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I feel like I'm walking on cloud nine. But I know exactly how I turn. As soon as, as evil rears its ugly head, right, I, I, I just, oh, my God, what is going on? Lord, kill me. Take me away. Anything's better than this life. You know, and then, and then I have a really good day. I'm like, oh, God, I thank you so much for your blessings. And then I start to sing Alan Jackson, you know what I mean? Precious memories, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but uh, something that's a verse in the Bible that's really delivered me. It's delivered me. You know, and oftentimes I have to read it, read it, read it, read it. And it's almost like, I don't believe in this concept that us as Christians, we can be possessed by the devil or by a demon, and then we have to be delivered from it. We're possessed by the Holy Spirit. But I believe oftentimes we get bad mindsets, and God would deliver us from a bad mindset. God would deliver us from a wrong way of thinking. And oftentimes, I like to go back to that way of thinking. And then God, God takes me from it again and says, man, stop it. And here's a verse that really helps me. Romans 8, 31 to 39. A lot of us know it. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to pick up my Bible so I don't have to bend over because notice in my old age, my back ain't what it used to be. Elder John said, you're, you're not old till you have a back. When you're young, you have a gristle. I feel like I'm getting my back young, Elder John, Pastor John, so I think my gristles left me because sometimes my back goes out, and I'm like, oh, God, and I got to go sit on the couch, and I'm like, oh, I'm 25. Uh, <laughs> You know, that's what reckless living will do to you. Don't live, rec- you. Don't live recklessly. Okay, okay, Nazar? You got me, dog? Yeah, yeah, dog. Okay. I'm- <laughs> Romans 8, 31 to 39. Yeah, otherwise you'll get your back too early. Amen, Pastor John. It's not fun. It's not a mark of honor, man. It sucks. Romans 8, 31 to 39, and I will finally read it. What then shall we say to these things? These things, the tribulations and the suffering that we're walking through. What are we going to say to that? If God is for us, who can be against us? Right? Like, what, what is there to say? God, God's with us. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He didn't spare his son. What is a car that I need in order to get to my job? What is that to God? He didn't spare his own son. Right? What is deliverance from a financial obligation to God? He didn't spare his own son, right? Anything that you're stuck in the middle of, a bad relationship, man, a bad mindset, suicidal tendencies, anything like that, right? Man, he gave his own son. Who is God to not deliver us from these things? And again, you're hearing these words out of the mouth of a hypocrite right now. Because I struggle with that too, and and I forget about that too. I forgot about that yesterday. But you know what? I remember it today. And I'm going to keep pushing forward. And I remembered it at the end of the day yesterday when I put my head down. I was like, you know what, God? You love me, and you got me through it. And on Friday, when it was rough, he got me through it. And Thursday, when I sat in my garage and I just put my boots on, I'm like, if I go to work, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I don't know what I'm going to do if I go to work. He got me through it. And Wednesday, man, when it was really going down, he got me through it. And now here I am today, and I had a good day. And he got me through it. 
and tomorrow. He's going to get me through it. Verse 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's us. Who's going to bring a charge against us? It is God who justifies. The only person who could condemn us and convict us has justified us, has placed judgment and said, you're just, you're righteous. No, 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 you're good. But God, I did all these things. Yeah, but my son paid for it. So as far as I'm concerned, you're good. You're sealed. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, it is also, he is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? That place of honor, that place of the advisor, the counselor, hey, that's where Jesus is. The guy who died for us. And said, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. That heart is at the right hand of the Father, praying for us. Forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. God, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Verse 35. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 36, he, he, he quotes an Old Testament verse talking about persecution. Something he's going through right now. He says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He said, shall, shall that sword, shall this prophetic verse that I am currently going through, shall my own sufferings, my own persecution, all of the dead brothers and sisters that we've walked with, the dead apostles who we thought were untouchable, shall that separate us from the love of God? Verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You can conquer and not win something over. And then when that king falls, it all falls apart. Alexander the Great conquered so much territory. He conquered so much territory by the time he was, I think it was 35, 36. And then he went and he laid out in the middle of a rainstorm after he was drunk and contracted pneumonia and died about a week later. One of the greatest men who has ever walked the face of this planet died from pneumonia from sitting out in the rain. And you want to know what happened to his great empire? His four closest generals, who did not really care about him but only cared about themselves, they tore that entire empire to pieces and they fought over his body and drug it through the desert because it didn't mean anything to them. It was only just a symbol of I get to have the authority. And they fought with each other and they killed each other and they took the people that they were over and man, they used them and they abused them. And he was not anything more than just a conqueror because he left no mark behind but destruction even after he died. Destruction for hundreds of years until the Romans rolled in and then they brought their own thing. Right. But the Bible calls us more than conquerors. We don't just take something over, we establish something. It's this interesting concept this guy from Encounter was talking about. He said, the term apostle comes from these people that the Romans would send out when they would conquer cities, and they would bring their culture into that city. And they would win the people over with a culture. And they would begin to inundate them into it. And it's that, that the word we get is apostle, right? right? We, get it, we get it from that term right there. The man, when we go in and we take something, man, we, we, we don't just leave it. We come in and man, we, we, no, no, no. This is how we do things now. And we change the heart and we change the eyesight, and we change the work, and we change the way things do things. Verse 38, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, not a single created thing, not a single person in your life, 
None of them shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, I, I, I don't necessarily know what every single one of you, I, I know quite a few of you, the things you guys have walked in on, and I, I, I told you the things I've walked in with, right? But I can tell you everything that you've had to walk through, everything you're currently walking through, everything that's going on in your life, it's good. It's worth it. It's meaningful. It seriously is meaningful. And it blows my mind that there's a joy in the suffering. But here's the thing I've, I've come to tell you, man, is, is, is it's not all suffering. Right? It's not all suffering. Because the Bible also says that he came to give us life and that more abundantly. And, and that he wishes for, our, for us to prosper. He wishes for us to prosper even as our soul prospers. That, man, it's, it's, it, it's not all bad. But, but let me tell you something. While it is bad, it's still good. And can we be encouraged with that? Can we finally take a look back at our life and go, you know what, God? I know I cursed all these things behind us, but I am who I am now because of that. I know, like, maybe some people in here may have messed up as a parent, but you know what? You learned those mistakes, and where you're at now, you can be an even better parent. You can look to other people and be a spiritual parent to people like you never were able to be to your children. But, man, you learned. You learned from it. I know me. I wasn't really the greatest son. And I'm trying, and, and I'm able to learn from my mistakes from the past. I'm able to actually be a better son to my mom, to my dad, to people who are spiritual parents to me. Oftentimes, maybe we've messed up things. We've been bad students. We've been bad this, we've been bad that, or maybe things have happened to us. But you know what? Now I can tell them, hey, guys, there's something on the other side of this grief and on this pain. There, there, there's something on the other side of this that we can't see, but God sees it, and he tells us to hope for it. And that's our gospel. Hey, man, I was messed up. I was on drugs. I felt used and abused. No one cared for me. But then God, you know what I found out? I was such a messed up, jacked up person. I began to hurt people. And I really wasn't worthy of any love or affection. But then God looked at me and said, I'm going to send my son to die for you because I want you with all of your problems. And how much does that preach, right? Like, man, that preaches right there, right? You can meet people and they'd be like, man, I'll walk into the church, I'll light the whole place on fire. People tell me that all the time. I'm like, dude, what does that even mean? Like, like, where do you get that from? Did you watch like ancient aliens and the guy with the crazy haircuts like, you see, you know, and like telling you that you're going to burn down the whole church when you walk in? No, that's not true. I, I love something that Pastor John said. He, he, said, uh, he said that the church is not full of, um, of, uh, of, of good people. It's full of saved people. <laughs> Amen? And man, some of these awful sinners should feel really comfortable sitting in these chairs with us. Because we were just like them. And some of us, on some level, we still are. But man, we're walking through it. And we're getting back up and we keep pushing. Amen? Let's walk in this. Let's own this gospel. What is your gospel? What is your testimony? And how has Jesus Christ affected you? And I know you're going through it right now, but he's brought you through it before. Why won't he also deliver you? Right. Amen? All right. I'm going to pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for the love that you've poured out in our hearts, God. For the, the, the love, God. I, I love the song we sang to you earlier, God, because you're so worthy of it, God. The song, Reckless Love, God. God, that you didn't spare anything, God. You gave your son, Lord. Because you love us so much, God. So, Lord, who are we to despise the things that you've brought us from, God? Lord, for anyone in here going through it still, or still stuck in their sin and in their struggle, 
Lord, help us see the hope that is on the other side, Lord. Help us bring us through it, God. Lord, bring us through it, Lord, and deliver us from it, Father God. God, may we have forgiveness in our hearts for those who have hurt us, God. And may we forgive ourselves, God, for the things we've done to others, Lord, or the things we've done to ourselves, God, that we've held on to, God. And may we really begin to look at our testimony as something wonderful and beautiful rather than something dirty and perverted, God. God, we just love you so much, God. And we just pray, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name that you would wipe our eyes clear, God, that we could really see this for what it all truly is, God. Lord, that this is the testimony that we're supposed to bring out into the world, God, to change people's lives, that people like them can come to know a God like you. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I muted the mic. If, uh, if I could have the, uh, the, the prayer team come up here, I think it's an incredible moment. Um, if you're struggling with this word, if there's something going on in your life, and man, I, I can't see on the other side of this, come up and get prayer, please. Pretty, pretty please with a cherry on top. <laughs> come get a prayer. And, you know, like I said earlier, when God is doing something, just lean into it, right? When God is moving, just, just lean into it and see what he does, amen? Because I can tell you right now, I really feel it. God wants to move right now. God wants to move on all of our hearts. And God wants to heal us and God wants to bring us forward. We've been healed of so much, but these things we're holding on to. God wants to bring us past that, why? Because Man, that was back then. What's going on now? What are we supposed to do now? Let's stop letting these things hold us back. Let's push on, right, to the higher calling that is in God. Amen? I love you guys.